Well, I want to tonight bring this next to the last message in this series, and that we've been in on hope. Hope is here, and our whole theme has been the reason hope is here is because Christ is here. We've looked at hope and what it is. Hope is not wishful thinking. You know, it's not like my grandson was telling me some of his hopes for Christmas tomorrow, and um, I don't know if those hopes are coming true or not. It certainly wasn't anything that I had bought, and so... There was some wishful thinking there. Hope may be wishing that we would have a white Christmas tomorrow. It doesn't look really good for that this year in Michigan. Hope may be that Georgia beats Michigan in the Orange Bowl this year. Somebody say amen. (laughs) I feel like I'm all alone up here right now. But while I have the moment, just let me say, how about them dogs? You know, it's going to be a good football game. Hope is, is not optimism either. Hope, as we've looked at from the Word of God, it's based upon the character of God, the goodness of God, and the promises of God. That's what our hope is based upon. We've looked at hope then for our families and why we can have hope for our marriages and for our children and grandchildren. We've looked at hope for our community and why we can have such positive hope for our community. And we heard from various community leaders on that Sunday morning of what their hopes for our world was. And then we looked last Sunday at hope for the world and we talked about how God uses us to bring hope. Well, tonight I'd like to look at Hope is born. So if you'd stand with me out of respect and reverence for the word of the Lord, we're going to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, and you can follow along with me on the screen. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. That doesn't mean self-righteous. That means he loved God, he loved people, he loved the Word of God. That's When you read that word in the Bible, it's not a self-righteous, legalistic thing. He loved God, he loved the Word of God, and he loved people. And he did not want to disgrace Mary publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Well, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, look, The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Well, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Would you join me in prayer right now? Father, I thank you so much that on this night, hope was truly born. And it's not wishful thinking, and it's not optimism, Lord, but our hope is built upon the solid foundation of Christ and his righteousness. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this evening. Joseph named him Jesus. I have been just totally fascinated with Joseph this year. 
I've often preached about Mary. I've often preached about the virgin conception, the, the divine conception of the Christ child. We had a really interesting discussion here Wednesday night after our midweek service. Pastor Mike Geppert brought a great message. And then afterwards, we were discussing why Christ was born of the virgin. And we discussed the fact that it was through the father's bloodline that the, that, that the son's blood was established. We also discussed the fact that since he didn't have an earthly father, it was just like Adam, as the Bible refers to Jesus as the second Adam. He didn't share the blood of his mother. He shared the blood of his father. And yet there was this man named Joseph that had to be an incredibly sensitive man to the Holy Spirit. You just have to imagine with me for a moment the emotions of Joseph. I remember so well being engaged to my wife. Love her now more than I ever loved her then and still loving her and looking so forward to that time when we would become husband and wife. And all the prayers and all the fulfillment and the dreams and the hopes that came together, those were the same kind of emotions that Joseph was feeling. And then to his shock and his awe, Mary is found to be pregnant and it's not his child. And she tells him that wonderful story that the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. I, I don't want to take anything away from what the angel said to Mary. I think most of you know that story. I think most of you grew up and you know that the angel came and spoke to her and said that the child within her would be conceived by God himself. And she's made those famous, said those famous words, let it be unto me according to the, to the word of the Lord. But for Joseph not to have had that experience and to believe something so out of the ordinary, so out of beyond the bounds of what anyone thought was possible, for Joseph to go through the experience that all of his hope was crashed and dashed. Imagine what those first emotions must have been for him. Imagine what he went through. So much so that this man who loved God, loved the word of God, and loved people, which meant he wouldn't throw stones, he wouldn't judge, he wouldn't criticize. Because Mary's life was in danger, he decided to quietly put her away. And you have to imagine for just a moment the emotions of their families, Joseph's family, Mary's family, the emotions of their synagogue, the emotions of their community, especially the self-righteous people. You see, one of the things that I wrote down in my journal this year is that God's choice of your life makes you vulnerable. It makes you vulnerable to what other people think. It makes you vulnerable to their judgments. But it makes you vulnerable to the emotions that inevitably come when God uses you. You see, my emotions have reasons, and I want to take a moment and look at that with you because emotions are not like feelings. Emotions are something real different. If I put on a wool sweater without a shirt, I can't hardly stand it because the itches and scratches. There's a reason that it's itching and scratching. It's because I have this feeling of my skin being aggravated by the wool. You would never judge me for that. You would simply say, Pastor, put on another shirt, something to come between you and the wool. Not long ago, I was driving up the interstate, and somebody was honking the horn behind me, and they were waving at me wildly, and I thought, well, I'm not speeding. I didn't cut them off or anything like that, and 
So I sped up a little bit, and they kept just honking at me. And a few years ago, someone got really angry at me and chased me for miles, you know, waving a gun. They were mad, and I had that same thought. And I thought, well, I could outrun them, and let's just see how this Mustang will talk, you know. And there was every bit of temptation to do that, but they suddenly just kept just waving. And so finally I slowed down. I thought, well, I'll let this idiot pass. And it was somebody from our church. (laughs) And I'm so glad they're not here tonight. (laughs) You know, I had this feeling based upon a fear of something that happened a few years ago when someone got angry on 275 and decided to just act like a fool. And then somebody is just trying to get my attention and smile and wave. And I am ever so grateful that I didn't stomp it and just take off, you know. And sin boldly in the eyes of God and them. You see, my emotions have reasons. They're more than physical. Sometimes emotions come to us that we don't understand, and Joseph couldn't have possibly understood everything that was happening until he went to sleep. I prayed with our staff a few moments ago before this service, and You know, there's a lot that goes into planning these services, and so we all just kind of need to take a deep breath, and sometimes the best thing to do for stress is just to be in awe of why you're here. Sometimes the best thing to do for the stress of the holiday is just to be in awe of why we've come, because God became a man. Christ was born to save us from our sins. Can we give him a hand of praise for that tonight? And be in awe of that. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, the Bible says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Circle that in your outline tonight, a reason for the hope. Do you know all the reasons for the emotion of hope, for the confidence of hope? Mary and Joseph had to learn to deal with those emotions because when they would dedicate their son to the Lord, although they would be rejoicing, when they would dedicate Jesus, it would be Simeon that said, there will be a sword to pierce your soul, to pierce your heart, because Mary would watch Christ suffer and die for our sins. Which leads me then to the second point of hope being born. Joseph became passionate about protecting the baby Jesus. You see, my choice of passion is essential to my hope. The kind of passion that I have in my life feeds my hope. It fuels my hope. It helps me not only to be able to explain my hope, but to demonstrate the hope I have. Because after that dream, Joseph became completely obsessed with protecting the Christ child, protecting the Son of God. Imagine that God called upon you to protect his Son. And in a sense, God has called upon every one of us to protect the witness of his Son, to protect the name of his Son. And just as we want everyone's name to be safe in our mouth, we especially want the name of Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus to be honored through our life. So Joseph had this dream where the Lord told him, he says, Herod is after this child to kill him, so I want you to awake, and I want you to flee to Egypt to protect the child. 
Well, friends, you really have to understand just a little bit about the Bible. Egypt was the last place that any Jewish person wanted to go. Egypt represented slavery. Egypt represented bondage. Egypt represented everything that Israel had been called out of. And this is where Christ would go, protected by Joseph. And I want you to know tonight that no matter where you've been, no matter what your hopes have been, I would have hoped, and I did hope, that long by now, COVID-21 would be over. I came home earlier this week, and I told Becky, I said, I just need to laugh. I've done so many funerals lately from people who've passed away from COVID. I've done funerals lately for people who are trying to understand some family members who the last hope they had was that family member prayed a prayer of faith and gave their hearts to Jesus upon their deathbed. Some family members who, who gathered together and they're heartbroken and they're sad, but their passion for Christ is even more increased tonight because they have a hope that we've been trying to bridge between Christ's first advent, his birth that we celebrate tonight, and his second advent that he's coming again, that one day those graves are going to be open. And to one family that I was close enough to that I could bring some humor without it offending them, I told them the story that I read one time of a little boy when they, he and his father passed the cemetery. There was an open grave with a pile of dirt sitting beside it, and he looked at his dad, and he said, Dad, look, one of them escaped from the grave. And there is coming a day when all of those whose hope is set upon Jesus Christ, who the grave will no longer be able to hold their bodies, but because Jesus lives, we too shall live. Can we give him another hand of praise tonight? <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, there are some things I've had to learn to adjust my expectations on. Sometimes my hopes for what I was going to achieve or to accomplish, I realize I may never accomplish those things is a part of maturing, of adjusting those things. I know I will never look like Dwayne Johnson, the rock, but sometimes in my imagination I do. I know that I will never drive a Bugatti, although sometimes in my imagination I think of my little Mustang as being a Bugatti. I know after having been to the Le Mans in Belgium and enjoyed the racing and all of that, I will never be one of those guys that flies across the line having won the race and being able to get out and tell everybody how good Jesus is because he helped me win the Le Mans. But I can tell you this, I can tell everybody about Jesus Christ right here in Down River, Michigan. Can you say amen to that? And so we, we have to sometimes learn what is our real passion? You don't find passion by looking inside yourself. You find passion by looking outside yourself. You find passion by looking at God because then you're in awe of God. And suddenly all the things that stress you out, all the things that make you fear, all the things that make you worry, whether it's COVID or war or injustice or whatever it might be, all the things that make you fear when you stand in the presence of Christ in praise and worship like we did tonight, suddenly everything else seems to find its place and you know Jesus is Lord of all. And so that's the reason that we define discipleship at Woodland Church as being passionate followers of Christ. Romans chapter 15 and 13, 
The Bible says, may the God of hope fill you, listen, with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. There are some things I've resigned myself to, but there's one thing I've never resigned myself to, and that is that there are some things that are impossible when I know that God fills me with hope to know that all things are possible in the name of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Jesus said that with God, all things are possible. And so what he says to us, God will fill you with joy and peace so that you may abound in hope. My hopes in Christ don't need to be adjusted downward this Christmas evening as I stand in awe of the birth of Christ. If God would give his only son to save the world, how much more do my hopes need to be built up and increased? Martin Luther once said, everything that is done in the world is done by hope. So the question is not what do you hope for, but who do you hope in? You see, hope is a who, and that's the reason that the angel said his name would be Emmanuel, God is with us. Would you look at your neighbor, and don't be weird, don't try to just preach a sermon, but just look at your neighbor and say tonight, God is with you. Would you say that to them right now? God is with you. Does that thrill you? Does that do for you what it does? When I walked up to this pulpit tonight, I, I walked up one more time saying, Lord, thank you that I have the opportunity to preach, but I know that you were with me. You see, when God sent Jesus Christ at Christmas time, don't miss this, he's saying, I see you. I see your hurt. I see your needs. I see the things you're struggling with. I see your fears. I see your ambitions. I see your dreams. And he says, in all of those things, I am with you. So don't mistake the power of hope that was born in a manger. Don't mistake that the fact that Jesus was born to two peasants in a little backwater town called Bethlehem. Big things come in surprisingly small packages. And everyone again said amen to that. My grandson came into me this week and he said to me, Papa, Grandma says she likes Christmas presents that come in small packages. I thought, oh my goodness, is she going to be disappointed? <laughs> Don't underestimate the hope that came to us in Avenger. Don't underestimate the fact that God says, Emmanuel, as a matter of fact, as I've been praying today, I believe God sent some of you here tonight to hear those very words that Jesus is saying, I see you, I see you, and I am with you. Without being weird, can you one more time look at somebody beside you and say, he sees you tonight. Look at this in John chapter 20 and verse 13. This is after Jesus' resurrection. He's been crucified at Calvary. And you say, Pastor, let's don't do Easter tonight. Let's stay with Christmas. Well, I, I want you to get this. Mary is crying in the garden. You see, all of her hope was built upon Jesus. He changed her life. There's some people that said that Mary was a prostitute. There's nothing in the scripture to support that. But Mary 
had some real struggles with the enemy. Mary's story is a fascinating story. And Mary, her whole life and her whole hope because her life had been changed by Jesus, just like Joseph's was. And Mary, after seeing him die at Calvary and buried in a tomb, she doesn't know that it's Jesus standing by. Now listen, some of you may not really realize, even though you've heard me say it tonight, he's with you. He sees you, but he's by you tonight. And I want you to get that. And so Jesus says, dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Well, she thought he was the gardener. Sir, if you have taken him away. Now just imagine, if you've taken Jesus away from Mary, you've taken her hope away. If you take Jesus away from me, you've taken my hope away. If you take Jesus away from this church, you've taken our hope away. Jesus is our hope. That's why we say hope is born. She said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go and get him. It's kind of like the little boy that says, I've got Jesus, and if you want him back in the manger, you better give me what I want for Christmas this year. There are people who think they can take away the reason for the season. You can't take Jesus away, but he's here. And you may not recognize that tonight because maybe you still haven't got the gift from Amazon that was supposed to be on the porch today. Maybe you still haven't got the turkey thawed out. Maybe as we were joking in the car coming over, maybe we should have Chinese food tomorrow at Christmas time. Maybe a hundred reasons that you don't realize that God sees you, God's with you in your pain and in your dreams. But I want you to hear him call your name tonight. Mary, Jesus said, and she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni. You see, cope is the confident living that God can and God will do something good out of something horrible. There's no way around it. The crucifixion was horrible. What our sins cost God is worthy of our contemplating tonight. What our sins cost him is worthy of us thinking about. But after we've thought about that for just a moment, then it's worthy of us thinking about why did he do that? Because God so loved the world. Did you enjoy singing that tonight? God so loved the world. And the reason we can sing joy to the world is not because of the trees and the lights, but it's the reality that God is with us. And it's the reality that Jesus is coming back again. And Revelation says he will wipe away every tear. He will wipe away every pain. There will be no more death. There will be no more hunger. There will be no more hungry children. There will be no more need for, for doctors or nurses. If you love that thought, you love the return of Jesus. Isaiah says because of that, gladness and joy will overtake our lives and all sorrow and sighing will flee away. And Paul reminds us again that the dead will be raised incorruptible. We are confident that because Jesus Christ was born on Christmas, hope 
comes with the promise that in everything, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Can we give him one final hand of praise tonight before we sing? So Paul writes these words, and I leave them with you as a parting thought for Christmas this year. We work hard, and we struggle to live a godly life because we place our confidence in the living God. You have a living hope tonight, and his name is Jesus. In just a few minutes, Becky and I are going home to some little boys that have every day been going to the advent calendar. And at their age, they're more concerned about what's under the tree than who was in the manger. <laughs> at their age, they're more concerned about the chocolates and the sweets that they have, but we will do with them what we always did with our kids. We will sing and we will pray, and then we will feast and we will open gifts. But it will all be because hope was born on this very night. It's a struggle. COVID has reminded us life can be a struggle. The economy has reminded us life can be a struggle. We have been reminded, we hoped that after the last election, as one of my politician friends just recently said to me, I had hoped the nation would heal after this last election and people would pull together again. But he said, I don't have any hope for that any longer. This is a Christmas Eve night that's more than a night for being sentimental. It's a night for remembering. History changed and lives changed not because politicians got it right, not because economists got it right, not because preachers got it right, but because Jesus Christ came into this world because he sees us, he loves us, he wants to be with us, and he shed his blood to redeem us from our sins so that we could know what the confidence is in a God who is good and always keeps his word and never breaks a promise. And everyone said, amen, amen. We're gonna light a candle right now. And this is the way we kind of come to a closing at the end of our Christmas service each year. You have a candle that you were given when you came in and I'm going to light one candle that represents the life of Jesus. This candle represents my life. And then these that are coming to help light candles tonight. We're going to light theirs as a symbol of the witness of the followers of Jesus Christ. We're going to light these candles. And then they're going to come along and at the end of each pew. And you're going to light one another's candle. And that's a symbol of the hope that you bring as you share Jesus Christ with others. If your children have a candle, would you please do us all a favor and just And then we're gonna worship the Lord this evening. Now the lights are gonna come down in just a moment, so don't let that bother you or frighten you, but let's worship the Lord tonight.
Jesus said, you are a city set upon a hill. He said, you're a light shining. And maybe you're in here tonight or you're watching online and inside. There may not be a lot of hope. There may be a lot of darkness. But Jesus, the hope, the light of the world, loves you. And even though you may not have paid much attention to him, he's with you, he sees you, and he loves you. And I'm going to ask you right now, would you all just close your eyes with me? And if you've never given your heart to Jesus or you've wandered away from your faith, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for bringing hope to me this night. Thank you for the hope that my sins are washed away based upon what you did and what you said you would do. And thank you for the hope for today and tomorrow that you will always be with me and for the hope that one day you will come again. And I invite you into my life to be the master, the ruler, the Lord of all. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. And if you prayed that, I hope that you'll let me know just by sending me an email here at info at woodland.church. I have something I'd love to give you later. But right now, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord stoke your flame to burn brighter with hope than ever before. And may your life be so brilliant with the light and the love of Jesus Christ that people will ask you, what's the reason for your hope? And may you be given the courage to lift your head above the parapet and say, Jesus Christ lives inside of me tonight. The Lord bless you. Merry Christmas. Time you can safely blow out your candle. And as you're exiting, there'll be some ushers. You can place your candles inside the baskets there. Once again, we want to say thank you so much for joining with us on this Christmas Eve. On behalf of all of us here at Woodland, God bless you. Have a wonderful Christmas. Everybody.